0: Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. As you're scrolling through social media or flipping channels on TV, or perhaps simply hanging out with other people. How often do you see or hear people who are all too ready to give their opinions about things, often on topics or situations that they have little knowledge about? And in such situations, how often, when someone attempts to correct what was said, even if it wasn't an opinion, but instead a fact, uh, that was clearly illogically or factually stated incorrectly, does that person snap back, don't judge me? Or do others swoop in and try to defend a person with a similar call not to judge? So are these people right? I mean, after all, Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, said, Judge not that you be not judged. Jesus' words have had quite an impact on us as Christians, as they should. And I imagine that you hear those words in the back of your head as you're having critical thoughts about others, whether they're accurate or not. Or that your heart sinks when you have some version of Jesus' words thrown back in your faces by someone who did not like your comment on their actions or words. And today we hear in St. Paul's epistle an echo of Jesus' words. Paul tells us to judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Yet if we understand judgment in the way the world around us seems to interpret judgment, then how do we reconcile what we just heard from St. Paul and Jesus with other passages of the Bible? For example, Jesus says in the 18th chapter of Matthew's gospel, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if he refused to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as to you a Gentile and tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Or how about these words from St. Paul? In the very same epistle, in the very next chapter, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, of a kind that's not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his, flesh, his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Is St. Paul not even being consistent with himself or with, or, with, um, or, what he had, or with what he had learned from the apostles about Jesus? Of course not. But how are we to hold these various ideas in tension properly, and how do we rightly understand judgment? One way that you might think to approach this is your recognition that judgment has two meanings in English. And in fact, Greek uses judge the same way. One, to pronounce in a legal sense, whether in a law court or privately, whether something's right or wrong and as necessary to make someone subject to censure or punishment with respect to that. And two, a second meaning that simply means to decide, to separate, or distinguish. Now, if you go down this road, and I won't go very far down this road, but you're welcome to as a personal study, I think you'll find it very muddled and unsatisfying. I think that even limiting yourself to the epistle reading today and the chapter that follows it you'll find that what St. Paul is saying in today's epistle reading about not judging is actually more along the lines of the meaning of discernment, with the latter where St. Paul has expressly passed judgment much more the legal sense. So thus, if you tried some sort of word analysis on this, you've come away with Paul saying something like, we shouldn't be discerning, which is obviously clearly wrong too. So if shades of meaning are not going to provide us with a way to understand this tension rightly, to judge, what to do, then what will? We will come to see that the key to this corundum is whether you have all the facts or not, or whether you have the facts straight. So let's start by revisiting what Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount in its fuller context. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. When we examine Jesus' words more carefully, we see that he is warning us not to judge because because we will be judged in the same way. And he illustrates it by someone noticing the speck in another's eye, but not first taking out the log in their own eye. So, and again, he wraps it up by saying, first take out the log in your eye, and then take the speck out of your brother's eye. So even here, the prohibition to not judge is not something absolute. But we first need to be sure that we have the facts and have them straight. And when we look at another more harshly than we look at ourselves, we're clearly not judging rightly. And returning to Paul, talking about judgment, We recall the words about waiting until the Lord comes again and reveals what's hidden in darkness and making manifest the counsels of the hearts. Here Paul is saying that we cannot usually judge rightly because we don't know what is in another's heart. And all too often when we think we know what is in someone else's heart, we are wrong. Psychologists describe something called the self-serving bias. This bias distorts our perception or reality uh, or or our perception or or thinking about reality in such a way to maintain and enhance our self-esteem. And it manifests itself when we ascribe our success to our own abilities and efforts and ascribe our failure to external factors. But for other people, what do we do? We ascribe their failures to their personal shortcomings and their successes to external factors. So we quite literally treat others the opposite of the way we treat ourselves. So much for loving one's neighbor as ourselves. The self-serving bias, though, now that we're aware of it, can be attacked simply by mindfulness and reminding ourselves to think the best of others when they fail and ascribe more of our own successes to factors outside our control. And back to our theme, we must be very cautious about judging others because it's very rare that we do indeed know all the circumstances. And even if we do know all the circumstances, our window into others' hearts is very clouded. Yet, when St. Paul judges the man in the ensuing chapter, and in fact judges him quite strongly, Paul is in the clear. The facts are obvious. As St. Paul says, not even pagans think such behavior is okay, much less Christians And if you know more about the Corinthian situation, you know that this whole thing is playing out in a very public scandal. No one, not even the accused, is denying it, much less repenting. So again, Paul really does have all the facts. And furthermore, he is responsible for the souls in that church as a minister of Christ. He's doing his duty, just as we place judges in office for the good order of our society, to do the best they can at making good judgments, despite the all-too-often limited facts they have, and the same limitations those judges have of being able to examine others' hearts. Thus, judging is okay, just not very often. We must be sure that we have all the facts and that we have the facts straight, and most of the time we do not. We must be sure that we're holding ourselves to the same standards by which we judge others, lest we be judged by them or by that standard. But when a judgment is is in order... When it is the right thing to do to judge, what should our goal be? Well, first, it should never be shaming. What's shame? Bene Brown, the professor, author, lecturer, and podcaster, in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, which is a book that discusses shame extensively, defines shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging. Thus, shaming targets the person rather than the crime. As some say, instead, we must love the sinner, hate the sin. We see this exact approach in St. Paul's approach to the man. He's being handed over to Satan so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. And at the end of the fourth chapter from which our epistle is taken, St. Paul discusses this. He says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Thus, when we judge, it should be grounded toward correction. And you can only correct someone when you have a relationship with them. Unless you're the parent, mentor, leader, or a close friend to someone, then you are unlikely to be able to offer correction or advice without someone feeling judged or shamed. On the other hand, If a parent, mentor, leader, or close friend of yours does choose to say something negative to you, don't immediately get defensive, but rather remember that this person indeed has a relationship with you. Don't fall into the self-serving bias trap and, and just say, well, it was my circumstances that made me do it. Instead, before responding, take a moment to ask yourself why those unpleasant feelings are floating around in your chest and stomach. Is it because your best friend, your husband, your wife, your teacher, your parent really enjoys poking you with a stick? Or is it perhaps because, quite frankly, they're right? Maybe they have a log in their eye, but shouldn't we be thankful that they can see the speck in ours? If one of our children was misbehaving or worse, doing something dangerous, and we didn't correct them, what would that say about us as parents? Would we be showing love to our children? Of course not. So likewise, if one of your friends is falling into drugs and you fail to tell them that they are going in a dangerous direction, that you love them, and that they should stop going in that direction for their own sake, then you're not showing love to them. And finally, I want to talk about one last aspect of judgment. For some of you, the self-serving bias is really not your problem. In fact, perhaps you fall more into that shame category. Even though you may have no problem with judging others, When Jesus says not to judge to you, you think that it only applies to others, and you don't realize that Jesus is also saying that we should not judge ourselves. Yes, as we've been discussing, you can judge yourself if you have all the facts, and since you have a better view into your own heart, your judgments are more likely to be accurate. However, too often we judge ourselves by comparing ourselves to others. We think others' hearts are not as evil as ours, that we're the only one who experiences the temptations we experience, that we're the only ones who sin as much as we do. But that's rarely true because, again, we don't know what is in other people's hearts. And therefore St. Paul says that he does not judge even himself in our epistle reading today. St. Paul is saying too often we don't have all the facts to judge even ourselves. Certainly, we are responsible for correcting ourselves. We should correct ourselves gently, as loving parents would correct their children. But we must be mindful that even our own judgments of ourselves may be too harsh. And that is because even if we know our heart, we don't know how God sees our heart. This extends to the situation of judging others, too. We don't know how God sees the situation, even when we know all the facts. And since it is only God's judgment that really matters... At the end of the day, we never really have all the facts. So once again, we must be very cautious and circumspect in our judgments. Yet, we must, we must be willing to speak the truth in love when it's needed. And finally, on this third Sunday of Advent, when we lighten the color to rose from purple, and our propers speak of rejoicing, And I've spent this sermon talking about something most people don't really enjoy talking about, judgment. I want to leave you with a particular word worth rejoicing about, a word of hope. Our epistle passage concludes with a remarkable statement from St. Paul about that coming judgment of God, a judgment I think every human has fear and trepidation about, because we all know we pale in comparison to the goodness and love that God embodies. Yet what does St. Paul say will happen When the Lord comes at his second advent that we're anticipating today, when he will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and disclose the purposes of the heart. Will it be doom and gloom? No, my brothers and sisters. Just as the dark purple turns to a sweet rose color, St. Paul says at that time each one will receive his commendation from the Lord. Although what we fear on that dread day is condemnation, St. Paul says we will receive commendation or in King James English that every man shall have the praise of God. What good news? When God judges, he separates the good from the bad and he discards the bad and keeps the good. God admonishes us. He corrects us as our loving father so that our spirits may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And on that day, we will receive his praise. For He discerns, He judges the good in each and every one of you. You belong to Him, and you are worthy of His love. So in closing, let us thank God that He is our true judge who judges rightly. And, and all thanks and glory be unto Him. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and Reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.